to the ebook revolution podcast it's um been a little while it's been a few months actually i've been a little slack there's been a lot happening down under here in the uh podcast bunker uh if you've followed the news from down under we've been swept by apocalyptic bushfires um the last few weeks and that's uh made it a bit hard to concentrate on um, producing uh, content for the podcast, but um, things have settled down, but it was uh, a bit touch and go there for a while. There was one day where the sky was uh, bright orange and um, quite apocalyptic, and the sky was raining ash. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to describe. It's... Uh, been a long drought down here and everything's quite dry and uh, the fires have started and they just don't stop and we just need some rain the people putting the the fires out are are doing an incredible job and uh, we're very thankful for all of them but that's uh, not the only reason I've been traveling as well Um, up in the Baltic states in Europe trying to get some inspiration and, uh, of course, uh, the Ubud Writers' Festival in 2019. So all these things have conspired to keep me away from the microphone. And <laughs> it was with a, a bit of a shock that I realised that the last new episode of um, e- EBR was uh, back in July. But here we are. This is episode 30. As I said, uh, in October, I travelled to the Ubud Writers' Festival for the 2019 session. Um, I went last year, and if you're you're a a regular listener to the podcast, um, you would have heard some great interviews. Um, Well, I've come back with some pretty good ones this time as well. Irvine Welsh, um, Rick Sananda, Luke Williams, Guy Garotney, and H.M. Navke, amongst others. And um, today we're talking to Andy Craven Griffiths but uh, more of him in a second. I just want to ask you a a favour. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you can help out by becoming a Patreon. Um, We have our very own Patreon page set up on... where you can find the link. It's ebookrevolutionpodcast.com. Have a look at our Patreon link, and for a couple of dollars a month, you can get some additional content, and you can help us keep the podcast going because it takes quite a bit of work to put these things together to talk to talent um and we've certainly talked to some great talented writers and to track them down and speak to them and record them and do all the other magic whiz bangery to bring you uh, a podcast otherwise known as post-production if you could have a look at our digital hat on the patreon page and um donate a couple of dollars a month and just sign up on patreon all the information's there it would be uh very well received let me tell you but enough about me as i said let's uh get back to the uber writers festival 2019 and um i was very pleased to talk to andy craven griffiths andy is a poet and playwright from the uk a previous Glastonbury Slam champion and BBC Verb New Voice. His debut play, Joygonaut, is about kindness and will tour nationally in the UK in 2020. Andy is currently completing a PhD in creative writing at the University of Leicester. And he's a nice guy. Let's talk to him. 
Andy Craven Griffiths. Andy, you're a poet, musician, mm-hmm. playwright, an educator. What drives such restless creativity? Um, I think loving doing it, getting joy out of doing it, feeling alive when I make something that surprises me, when I make something that connects with others. I think there's the two sides of it. When I write something that, that I I learn something about myself or, or you know, come up with an idea that I didn't know I had or the creative thing for me is a joy but then the sharing of it is an, a different kind of joy when it, it makes you feel close to someone. It's building this bridge between ourselves as individuals with this communication. Um, unfortunately, I think part of it is driven by a fear of running out of time um, and you know not being here forever. Mm. So I kind of want to erase a little bit to do as much as I can because we're not infinite, we're not immortal, um, which is possibly not the most positive reason, but it works like fuel for me and drives me. So, so um, your band, Middleman, mm. um, it's a great showcase for your lyrics and poetry. Mm. What's the story of that? How did that come about? The guys in the band were looking for a different kind of lyricist. They'd been in a drum and bass band before, a live drum and bass band for like eight piece, um, you know, a lot of them all together. And these three from the band wanted to start something new with some someone who was good at lyrics rather than just a singer. Yeah. Uh, not just a singer, you know, that's an admirable thing. I'm not a singer. I can, I've learned to sing in tune, but you know, don't have a great voice or anything. So for me, it was always about the quality of the writing. Yeah. Um, and they wanted someone who brought quality writing to the songwriting process, yeah. I guess. So they asked around, uh, got recommended my brother by a bunch of breakdancers who didn't live in the same city, but I did. So he recommended me. We got together, had a jam, uh, wrote something really quickly and just got on really, really well. And that was kind of the core of it. So yeah, then just started exploring how we could mash the two things together and eventually found this uh, this sound we have and this um, these type of songs that we have that we feel kind of work. It does work. Spinning plates is a fabulous song. Thank you, man. That's, uh, yeah, it's one of our, our favourites. Yeah, I, I admit I haven't heard the band before until I started doing the research. I'm, I'm a musician myself. Mm. And, um, yeah, knock me out. The, uh, yeah. the, the wordplay. How, how important is music to you as a creative outlet? Vital. It's not my first love in terms of language is... is it for me. Um, the guys in the band it is, you know, they, they need to be making sounds and uh, playing with melodies and so on. Mm. For me it's it's a joyous, a different type of outlet in that it's less sit down and consider and think about it and it's more immediate and so it forces me to write in a slightly different way. Um, but it's the most fun I think I've ever had is being on stage with the band and, yeah. you know, singing songs. Uh, is what what music does that words don't is bring emotion with an immediacy. The sound gives you an emotion and gives you a, 
a way of feeling that doesn't depend on the meaning of the words. Yeah. And that's slower to come through words, I think, because you have to digest it and, you know, tell a story and so on, but you can play two chords and feel something from it, so. I'd like to ask you about your one-man play. <coughs> yeah. Joygonaut. Um, what's been the reaction to it so far? It's really good. We've only done two pilot shows um, at York Theatre Royal and Nottingham Playhouse in the UK. A lot of people have stayed afterwards to talk about the theme, so we feel from from that there is a, a lot of appetite for work about kindness and, and being positive and less selfish and you know I feel there's a lot of people who, who believe that's how the world should be, that we should be more like that, to get a lot from it and I suppose the play is working as a, a, a an explanation of how that can function, the story of this this character, how it how it transforms his life in a realistic way. There's no um, there's no it's, it it very much shows the mechanism through which kindness can can change your life. Yeah. It's not like think positive and everything will be great. It's absolutely not that. Um, and I think it also does something in giving permission. I think a lot of the time we're not kind because we don't have permission to be or we feel like it's, you know, we don't want to intrude on someone's day, in the UK yeah. at least, we, yeah. you know. Uh, so it's, the response has been really positive in that way. Uh, hopefully I get to perform it as much as possible. Um, Australia would be nice, Canada would be nice. <laughs> At the minute, we're just with only books for the UK. We've got, yeah. you know, 12 or 13 dates so far for next year. So, yeah. It intrigues me, um, the interactive element of it. Mm. Um, how successful is that? People putting in their def definitions of joy and kindness. Mm. That, that feeds back into your writing in a real way? Yeah. yeah. So there's, there are particular sections in the play. Um, there's one, the character is an advertising executive. So there's one where he gets suggestions from the audience and then works them into advertising pitches. Um, and so that's, that works really well because it's nice for an audience to provably see that what they have said has affected what's happened. Mm. Um, you know, it's part of the message of the play is that you you are powerful, you can affect people's happiness and what happens, yeah. so to embody that in a moment in the play is nice. One of the other interactive things is he offers the audience options. So he talks about someone in a bar, a man in a bar insulting the character's girlfriend, making derogatory sexual comments, and how, you know, as what's expected is now he has to fight him and there's no choice, it's just whether to use fists or glass. Yeah. And early on in the play, those options, whatever the response is, get a negative feedback. So, you know, should he use fists or glass? If someone in the audience says fists, you go, oh, well, of course, because you want to make it easy for him. If they say, oh, glass, then you go, oh, right, yeah, because you want to go to jail. So it's, at, in the start of the play, it's trying to show the double bind of masculinity that you can't win either way. If you're violent, you're a thug. If you're not violent, you're a wimp. Yeah. And you, so, but then by the end of the play, he offers options and whatever is fed back, he gives a positive response. So it's trying to show how his expectation or his uh, intention to the world 
changes how he responds and feeds back positive if he feels positive and feeds back negative if he feels negative. Do you think that's a model for <clears throat> other art creation? The wisdom of the crowd, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's difficult to figure out structures that will work and partly that's just by doing it trial yeah, and error yeah. and figuring you know how to phrase things options that you have in responses um, but I think involving the audience more and more I enjoy theatre that does that and theatre has the opportunity to do that a TV show is not with the audience no. and can't immediately respond to their uh, their reactions theatre is and it should use its tools, the tools that are only available from a live audience to then, you know, to respond to. That's, I'd love to see it. It's fascinating, fascinating to see that done in theatre. I mean, uh, Black Mirror tried it in that yeah. episode, um, which yeah. was a bit hit and miss, but mm. interesting idea. Yeah, I suppose the technology, like with the Black Mirror episode, is, is allowing a bit of that, but I think the performer can give a different response that they haven't planned when yes. it's live. <clears throat> yeah. Whereas the TV version, the Black Mirror version, there are, it's all pre-filmed, it's all, you know, pre-planned. Yeah. On um, stage, it's more visceral. Yeah. Yeah. On stage, you get, and you get the, they're the most real moments in theatre where it's something that's never happened before yeah. and isn't going to happen exactly the same again. And it's the audience and the performer, I, I think, feel the magic of that. Of course, you're an educator as well. Yeah. And uh, I've seen you've had a retreat here in beautiful Bali. Mm. Um, what have you learned about teaching writing to others? What does, mm. what's, what's the feedback loop there to you? For me, having to teach the nuts and bolts, the mechanisms, um, particularly with language-based stuff, you know, how to make similes and metaphors, how to uh, mix up the abstract and concrete, all those sorts of things. Having to teach that has given me ways of coming, of, of stopping being stuck when I get stuck in a thing, you know. I'll go and do some free writing to generate ideas or I'll, I'll make a passage more poetic by deliberately and consciously writing a list of similes and metaphors that might work. So it's taught me to be a better writer, having to teach it to others. Um, but there is also an aspect of that I, I've learnt that most of it has to come from the writer. You can provide tools, but ultimately it's a practice-based learning. The more yeah. people write, the better they will get. Yeah. And you can go to a hundred workshops, but if you don't spend time writing on your own, your improvement is going to be limited. Whereas you can, you can teach yourself by doing it and by reading lots. What's your advice then to anybody <clears throat> setting out creating art through words? Read as much as possible. And by reading I don't just mean books, I mean, you know, watching great films, watching TV series, uh, reading, looking at people and trying to understand why we do what we do in certain situations. Um, and then trying to yeah, just practicing writing different things without the need to show it to anyone, without the need for it to become uh, a piece of art, but just as a, as a learning experience. Um, I know it's, it sounds like a, almost like a cop-out, but 
my advice to anyone starting to, to write is read loads, write loads, and read probably 10 times more than you write. What's the best advice you ever received when you were setting out? Um, I think once my, my brother, uh, I don't know if it counts as advice, but <laughs> I, was comp I was basically complaining about not being on a, a poetry tour with a company called Apples and Snakes in the UK that he was on and some other people on were on and I was I was like oh well I, I should you know I was a 19 year old um, big for my boots all that sort of thing and was asking why aren't I on that and my brother said because you're not as good as you think you are and secondly you're judging everyone else through how well they do what you do uh, you may be better at what you do and they're better at what they do um, and that that humility that hearing that from my brother it's painful yeah but hugely useful in stopping assuming that that I had something you know that isn't present in loads and loads and loads of other people and allowed me to then start learning from other people I think rather than having this ego thing of, uh, so yeah that I guess translated into advice it would be to learn from others talk to others, value what others are doing, find what you love in what they're doing, because you can learn from it. Um, yeah. Your brother sounds very wise. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> tell him that, because he'd get a big head. But <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's a wise man. He's... Um, you famously won the Poetry Slam at Glastonbury. Glastonbury. What happens at a Poetry Slam? How, how do you prepare for something like that? So Poetry Slam, they're all different, but generally it's a competition in which you have three minutes. There are others that do, in, in Germany they have a lot of five minute slams for instance. Uh, there are generally uh, a group of poets who, who get three minutes to perform and they have judges give them scores, competitive poetry. The audience are, are often involved in that, there might be an audience judge. Whoever gets the high score goes through to the next round and sometimes it's in groups, sometimes it's knockout. As you go through the rounds, eventually you end up with one um, winner. Usually you perform a different poem in each round, you, you're not allowed to repeat a poem. And how preparing is just practice and, you know, making sure that your poems are short enough to fit in three minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And yeah, just I've not done slam for a long time, but when I was starting, it was kind of my bread and butter, and, and I loved the the adrenaline of it, the you know the the limits of it. You've got three minutes to make someone feel something strongly <laughs> enough that they want to give you points. <laughs> um, the Glastonbury one, how it was, it was, it was great. My brother, <coughs> who's the same brother, who's also was there. Uh, there were too many people entered the slam, and because we were brothers, the organizer said, "Well, let's just have one of you in." It was my first ever festival. He said, "Okay, well, you can you can go in the slam, but if I'm not going in it, you have to win it." Uh, and then I did. <laughs> so that was great. Went on radio, went on TV, performed live, all of that sort of thing. So it was kind of a really good, um, you know. It's a good way to get into the performance poetry world. Yeah, is there much improvisation in um, slam, or do you leave? No, some people do, but it tends not to be as successful. Uh, I guess because you can craft something more 
precisely if you've done it beforehand. Yeah. And then maybe, I have seen people build moments in of, of spontaneity and audience response and things like that, but it's a sh more surefire way to know it's going to be the best poem it can be if you've crafted it and you know, spent a lot of time editing and perfecting it. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat with us. I'll Pleasure. just finish off with um, what's next for Andy Craven Griffiths. Uh, trying to get more people to put the play on. Um, yeah, uh, anyone who wants to put it on in Australia can get in touch with me through joygernaut.com, which is J-O-Y-G-E-R-N-A-U-T.com. Um, touring that in England, getting the next play produced as well. Um, and yeah, and finally putting a, a collection to paper rather than just on stage so that too many people keep asking for my book and I don't have one yet to sell them, so getting that book printed. I'm sure it'll happen soon. Thank Andy, you very much. Thank you. Pleasure. And that was Andy Craven Griffiths uh, talking to me at the Ubud Writers Festival just a few weeks ago. And a very nice chap, very talented, and he does have a way with words. If um, I, I recommend check out his band, Middleman. It's a great mashup of uh, rock and spoken word poetry and uh, just brilliant. I hope you enjoyed the session with Andy, and um, you can find the full show notes on the ebook revolution podcast web website which is ebookrevolutionpodcast.com and uh, you can get the whole lot there and much more besides uh, sign up for the podcast don't miss an episode if you are getting some value out of this share it with your friends the more the merrier and um, as i said check out our patreon page we would love you to become a patron and help us out on the ebook revolution podcast that's it for me today thanks for listening we've got some fantastic episodes coming up um irvine welsh rick samander luke williams guy garatney and hm navke all coming up over the next few weeks um <laughs>